Welcome back, dear friends, to your daily dose of ancient wisdom. Today we continue our reading of Srimad Bhagavata Mahapurana, Tritiya Skandha, or Book 3, Discourse 26, which talks about the process of evolution of Mahat Tattva and other fundamental principles. The Lord continued, Now I shall tell you, one by one, the distinctive features of different categories by knowing which a man is freed once for all from the yoke of the modes of Prakriti. I shall also explain to you the nature of knowledge in the form of self-realization, which by cutting the knot of egotism existing in the heart leads the jiva to the final beatitude, so declare the wise. The Purusha is no other than the spirit, who is the beginningless devoid of attributes, existing beyond prakriti or matter, revealed in the heart of all beings, and self-effligent, nay, pervaded by whom the universe presents itself to our view. This all-pervading Purusha, accepted of his own free will, the unmanifest divine prakriti consisting of the three gunas that sought him in her playful mood. Already, Abiding in Prakriti, the Purusha fell a prey to her charm, that obscure knowledge, and forgot himself the moment he saw her evolving through her guna, sattva, rajas, and tamas, prognancy of various kinds with forms conforming to either of the three gunas. By identifying himself with Prakriti, who is other than himself, the Purusha attributes the doership of actions which are being performed by the gunas of Prakriti to himself. It is this feeling of doership which binds him to actions, although, really speaking, he is mere witness and therefore a non-doer. And it is this bondage through action which makes him helpless in matter of pleasurable and painful experiences, although he is independent in reality and subjects him to repeated births and deaths, even though he is blissful by nature. The knowers of the truth recognize Prakriti as responsible for the identification of the soul with body, with the senses and mind, as well as with the agents or the deities presiding over the senses. As for the experience of the pleasures and the pain they hold, the Purusha, identifying himself with Prakriti, to be responsible, although, as matter of fact, he is beyond Prakriti. Devahuti said, Kindly also tell me, O Supreme Person, the characteristics of Prakriti and Purusha, the two causes of this universe, which in its gross and subtle forms is nothing but a manifestation of these. The Lord resumed, The wise speak of Pradhana or the primordial matter as Prakriti, the pradhana, which consists of the three gunas, sattva, rajas, and tamas, nay, which is unmanifest and eternal and exists both as cause and effect, and which, though undifferentiated in its causal state, is a source of distinct categories such as mahat tattva and so on. The aggregate of 24 categories, namely the five gross elements, the five subtle elements, the four internal senses, the five senses of perception, 
and the five organs of action is known to be the evolute of pradhana. The gross elements are only five, namely earth, water, fire, air and ether. The number of the subtle elements too, in my opinion, just the same. They are smell, taste, color, touch and sound. The indriyas or the senses of perception and the organs of action are ten in number, namely the auditory senses, the tactile sense, the sense of sight, the sense of taste, the olfactory sense, the organ of speech, the hands, the feet, the organs of generation and organs of defecation, which is said to be the tenth. The internal sense is seen to have four aspects in the shape of mind, understanding, ego and reason. Their distinction lies in their function, which represent their characteristics. The disposition of the conditioned Brahma, namely Brahma manifested through the gunas of Prakriti, has been recognized by the knowers of the truth as consisting of the 24 principles just enumerated by me and no other. Kala, the time being the 25th. Some people speak of Kala as a potency or a destructive power of the Purusha or God, which causes fear to the doer or the individual soul who has come to associate himself with Prakriti and is deluded by egotism arising out of self-identification with the body. As a matter of fact, O daughter of Swayambhuvamanu, the Lord himself who activates the Prakriti, which is only another name of the equilibrium of the three gunas, namely Sattva, Rajas and Tamas, and which in that state admits of no particular name or form, is designated as Kala or time. In this way, the Lord himself, who by his own Maya or wonderful divine energy, abides unaffected within all living beings as the Purusha, their inner controller, and outside them as Kala in the 25th category. When the Supreme Person placed his energy in the form of Chit-shakti or power of intelligence in his own Maya, the source of all created beings, the equilibrium of whose gunas has been disturbed by the destiny of the various jivas, the Maya gave birth to the Mahat-tattva or the principle of cosmic intelligence which is full of light. The Mahat-tattva which knew no languor or distraction and represented the shoot of the tree of the universe, drank off by its own effulgence the thick gloom prevailing at the time by the universal dissolution, which had once swallowed the Mahat-tattva in order to manifest the universe which lay in its subtle form. Chitta, the faculty of reason, which abounds in quality of sattva, is pure and free from passion, and is the place where one can realize God, is spoken of as Mahat-tattva and is also called by the name of Vasudeva because it is through the cosmic chitta that they worshipped Vasudeva, the foremost of the Lord's four forms. Just as water in its natural state, when it is free from the foam and ripples, 
before it's coming in contact with earth is clear as crystal, sweet and unruffled, even so transparency, freedom from languor and distraction, and serenity and predicated of chitta as its characteristic traits. From the Mahat Tattva, evolved from the Lord's own energy in the form of Chit Shakti or the power of intelligence as it underwent transformation, sprang up Ahankara or the ego, which is predominantly endowed with the active power and is of three kinds, namely Sattvika, Rajasika and Tamasika. From these three types of Ahankara, were severally evolved the mind, the indriyas or the senses of perceptions as well as the organs of action and the gross elements. This threefold ahankara, the source of the gross elements, the indriyas and the mind and hence identical with them because it is the cause which reproduces itself as the effect is the same as symbolic of the purusha called Sankarsana, the second form of the Lord, whom Vaishnavas speak as no other than Lord Ananta with a thousand heads. The Ahankara is characterized as a doer which conceived in the form of deities presiding over the Indriyas and the mind are instrumental in the form of Indriyas and an effect in the form of the gross elements. It is further characterized as serene, active or dull according as its sattvika, rajasika or tamasika. From the vaikarika or sattvika type of ahankara as it underwent transformation was evolved the mind whose thoughts and reflections give rise to desire. It is mind which is known by the name recognized as a symbol of Lord Aniruddha, the fourth of the four forms of the Lord, the supreme ruler of the Indriyas, who is possessed of a form swarthy as blue lotus glowing in autumn and who is slowly won by yoga. From the Rajasika ego, as it underwent transformation, sprang up the principle of buddhi or understanding, O virtuous lady. Ascertaining the nature of the object of their coming to view and helping the senses in their work of perceiving objects, these are the functions of buddhi known by the name of pradyumna, the third form of the Lord. Doubt, misapprehension, correct apprehension, memory and sleep are said to be the distinct characteristics of buddhi as determined by their functions. The sense of perception as well as the organs of action, both of the types of the Indriya too, are evolutes of the Tejasika or Rajasika ego alone, since the power of action belongs to prana, the vital air, and power of perception inheres in buddhi, and both these prana and buddhi are evolutes of Tejasa ego. From the Tamasika ego, as it underwent transformation, impelled by the Lord's energy or Chit Shakti, sprang up the principle of sound, and from the latter 
was evolved ether and the auditory senses too, which catches the sound. The knowers of the truth define sound as that which conveys the idea of an object not within sight, indicates the presence of a speaker screened from the view and constitutes the subtle form of ether. Even so, ether is characterized as that which affords room to living beings, gives rise to the notions of inside and outside, and is the abode of prana or the vital air, the indriyas and the mind. From ether, which is an evolute of the principle of sound as it underwent transformation under the impulse of time, sprang up the principles of touch and hence the air as well as the tactile sense by which we perceive touch. Softness and hardness and even so cold and heat are the distinguishing attributes of touch and is further characterized as the tactile form of the air. Even so, shaking the burrows of the tree, bringing together the straws lying apart, having access everywhere, bearing particles of substance containing smell to the olfactory and other senses, and sound to the auditory sense, and giving strength and vitality to all indriyas, these are the characteristic functions of the air. From air, which is the product of the principle of touch, impelled by the destiny of various jivas, was evolved the principle of color, and thence fire as well as the sense of sight, which enables us to perceive color. To appear in the same form as the material substance in which it inheres, to depend or for its existence on the substance to have the same spatial relation as the substance and to constitute the essential nature of fire, these, O virtuous lady, are the functions of the principles of color. To give light, to cook and to digest food, to destroy cold, to dry up the moisture and to give rise to hunger and thirst and to drink and eat through them, these are the functions of fire. From fire, which is an evolute of the principle of color, impelled by the destiny of various jivas, possessed the principle of taste and thence water as well as the sense of taste which enable us to perceive taste. Taste, though one sweet only, became manifold as astringent, sweet, bitter, pungent, sour, salt, due to contact with other substances, even so wet substance to bring about the cohesion to cause satisfaction to maintain life, to refresh by sulking thirst, to soften things, to drive away heat, and to be in a state of incessant supply in wells. These are the functions of water. From water, which is an evolute of the principle of taste, impelled by the destiny of various jivas, possess the principle of smell, dense earth as well as the olfactory sense which enables us to perceive odor alone. Smell, though one became many as mixed, offensive, fragrant, mild, strong, acid, and so on, according to the proportion of the connected substances. Even so, to give form, though images, 
to the concept of Brahma or the infinite to remain in position without any support other than water, which are its causes, to hold with water and other substances, to limit the unlimited space through the walls of the houses and to manifest the bodies as well as the distinctive qualities of sex of all living beings. These are the characteristic functions of earth. The senses whose object of perception is sound, the distinctive characteristic of ether is called the auditory sense and that whose object of perception is touch, the distinctive characteristic of air, is known as the tactile sense. Even so, the sense whose object of perception is color, the distinctive characteristic of fire, is spoken of as the sense of sight. Again, that whose object of perception is taste, which is the distinctive characteristic of water, is known as the sense of taste. And finally, that whose object of perception is order, which is the distinctive characteristic of earth, is called the olfactory sense. Since a cause exists in its effect as well as the characteristic of the former are observed in the latter, that is why the particularities of all the elements are found to exist in earth alone. When the Mahat Tattva the ego and the five gross elements, these seven stood disunited. Lord Narayana, the cause of the universe, entered them, taking with him time the destiny of various jivas and the gunas or the modes of prakriti. From these seven principles, roused into activity and united by the presence of the Lord, arose an unintelligent egg, from which appeared the well-known cosmic being. This egg, which is known by the name of Visesha, is enveloped on all sides by belts of water, fire, air, ether, the ego, and the Mahat Tattva, each ten times larger than which it encloses. And these six being enveloped by the outermost belt of Pradhana or the primordial matter, all the 14 worlds which are a manifestation of Sri Hari himself are spread within this egg. Shaking off an attitude of indifference to that shining egg which lay on the causal water, the cosmic being now presided over it and manifested the seeds of various Indriyas out of it. First of all, appeared in him a mouth and thence came forth the organ of speech and along with it the god of fire, the deity presiding over the organ of speech. Then appeared a pair of nostrils and in them the olfactory sense along with the prana, the vital air. In the wake of the olfactory sense came the wind god, the god presiding over that sense and thereafter appeared in him a pair of eyes and in them the sense of sight. In the wake of this sense came the sun god, the god presiding over the same. And next appeared in him a pair of ears, and in them the auditory sense, and in the wake of it the Devatas or the deities presiding over the latter. Then appeared in the cosmic being the skin 
and thereon the hair on the body as well as on the head, a pair of moustaches and a beard. In the wake of these came the herbs and the annual plants, the deities presiding over the hair, which represent the senses abiding in the skin. And then appeared in him an organ of generation. In the latter appeared the faculty of prosecration and thereafter the God presiding over the waters. Next appeared in him an anus and in the wake of it an organ of defecation and thereafter came the God of death, the terror of the world. Then sprouted in him a pair of hands and in them the capacity of grasping and dropping things and thereafter came the God Indra, the deity presiding over the hands. Next shot forth in him a pair of feet and in them appeared the power of locomotion and thereafter appeared Lord Vishnu, the deity presiding over that power. Next appeared in him the blood vessels and thereafter came forth blood, the power of circulation. In the wake of it came the rivers, the deities presiding over the blood vessels and then appeared an abdomen. Next grew it therein a feeling of hunger and thirst, and in their wake came the ocean, the deity presiding over the abdomen. Then appeared in him a heart, and in the wake of heart a mind. After the mind appeared the moon, or the deity presiding over the mind, as well as buddhi, the faculty of understanding, and in the wake of buddhi came Brahma, the lord of speech, and the deity presiding over buddhi. Next appeared in him the ego, and thereafter Lord Rudra, the deity presiding over the ego, and last of all appeared in him a chitta or reason, and then the kshetragna, the inner controller or the deity presiding over reason. When all the aforesaid deities, with the exception of inner controller, though active, were unable to rouse the cosmic being into activity, they re-entered each his own seat in order to rouse him one by one. The god of fire entered his mouth along with the organ of speech, but the cosmic being could not be roused even then. The wind god entered his nostrils along with the olfactory sense, but the cosmic being refused to wake up even then. The sun god entered his eyes along with the sense of sight, but the cosmic being failed to get up even then. The Digdevatas entered his ears along with the auditory sense, but the cosmic being could not be stirred into activity even then. The herbs and the annual plants, the deities presiding over the skin, entered the skin along with the hair on the body, but cosmic being refused to get up even then. The god presiding over the waters entered his organ of generation along with the faculty of prosecration, but the cosmic being would not rise even then. The god of death entered his anus along with the organ of defecation, but the cosmic being could not be spurred into activity even then. The god Indra entered the hands along with their power of grasping and dropping things, but the cosmic being would not get up even then. Lord Vishnu entered his feet along with the faculty of locomotion, but the cosmic being refused to stand up even then. The rivers entered his blood vessels along with blood the power of circulation but cosmic being could not be made to stir even then. 
the oceans entered his abdomen along with hunger and thirst, but the cosmic being refused to rise even then. The moon god entered the heart along with the mind, but the cosmic being would not be roused yet. Brahma too entered the heart along with the reason buddhi, but even then cosmic being could not be prevailed upon to get up. Lord Rudra who entered the heart along with the ego, but even then the cosmic being could not be made to rise. When, however, the inner controller, the deity presiding over chitta or reason, entered the heart along with reason, that very moment the cosmic being roused from the causal waters. Even as prana, the vital airs, the indriyas, the senses of perception, as well as the organs of action, the mind as well as the understanding are unable to awaken an embodied soul who is fast asleep by their own power without the presence of inner controller. Similarly, they could not do so in case of the cosmic being. Therefore, through devotion, dissipation, and spiritual wisdom acquired through a concentrated mind, one should contemplate on that inner controller as present in this very body, though apart from it. Thus ends the 26th discourse forming the part of the teachings of Lord Kapila on the nature of the fundamental principles in Book 3 of the great and glorious Bhagavata Purana, otherwise known as Paramahamsa Samhita. Thank you.